Thanks very much. Uh, well, I'm going to uh, get some comments at breakneck speed uh, in order to create a bit of time to put questions to two speakers. And I, I, I always struggled with this idea of old age dependency. I always think uh, if there was a subsistence tribe in the jungle somewhere and they suddenly experienced a huge improvement in longevity, would they continue to go out to the banana plantations to cut more bananas for these perfectly fit elderly uh, members of the tribe to sit around munching bananas all day? Uh, and of course they wouldn't. Uh, and uh, it's, it's already the case. So, so the, the, there's something I'm not criticizing. John, uh, his figures, I think, they're from the Green Paper, I think. It's not right. Uh, and, and similar calculations are done all the time. But it's very mechanical. It kind of says, we got into this idea that people retired at 65. They may live up their 85 or 90. There are medics who think that uh, centenarians are going to become common. Uh, and they also think that people are going to be fit at the age of 70 and 75. And if that happens, then retirement ages are going to go up. And any sensible uh, economic model suggests that that's optimal, uh, as well as politically inevitable. And I think it's politically inevitable. Uh, and it's also happening. Uh, these are the figures for labor force participation rates in Ireland. Uh, and uh, I've tried to highlight, not very expertly, the male figures in the 60 to 64 and 65 plus age groups. I'll say something about the female ones in a second. And starting in 88, 93, 98, 2003, and 2008, the male figure in the 60 to 64 age group has gone from 60.7%, fell to 54.1%, fell to 52.7%, and is back up to 60% in 2008. Uh, the, the figure for 65 plus, was 18, fell to 15.8, 15, 14, and it's gone back up to 16 in the most recent period. Uh, so the, this notion that retirement ages may be about to start drifting upwards is well behind the pace of the game. It's already happening. Uh, the situation for females is a little bit different. Uh, there have been huge changes in female participation, uh, and you're now beginning to see the female participation in the older age groups. Uh, rising pretty dramatically, but th there's a lot. There's a lot behind that, including <coughs> female uh, education attainment in those age groups is beginning to uh, uh, change quite a lot, uh, and I guess it's just worth working. Uh, but it seems to me that you can be too mechanical in saying the state's going to go bust because there's going to be only two of us working for each person that's retired, and previously there were four or five or whatever it may be. Uh, I just don't think that's going to happen, uh, and uh, I think the evidence is there that changes have already um, commenced. And on the question of the inadequacy of state pension and private provision, uh, Ireland is one of the few countries that have substantial that has substantial private provision. The UK has pretty significant private provision. Uh, Netherlands does, few other countries, but most European countries have state earnings related schemes which are very elaborate, very expensive, they have very high rates of social insurance contributions, but very high benefits to, to go with that. Uh, and the social insurance contributions uh, are, you know, to some degree, regarded as taxes a bit by people, even though they're pay related. 
that. But we, we have to ask the question, how inadequate is the supplementary coverage here? And the figure that's forever quoted by the Pensions Board and by the industry is that only 54% of Irish people have you know, occupational pensions. That's an all ages figure, though. And in the 45 to 54 age group, it peaks. It doesn't peak in the oldest age group, and you'd expect that. But the reason is because those folks typically were in lower grade occupations, and it's got to do with the educational uh, revolution and so on. But there is a ripple effect of much higher participation in, in private pension coverage coming up through the 45, 50, 55 age group that will ripple up because nobody lives in those age groups up to 1665. And so I think to, to, to quote a figure, and it's quoted all the time, uh, which includes people who are 20 and who don't bother joining pension schemes or aren't invited to uh, until they're a few years older, doesn't have the full story. Uh, and it seems to me that the private pension coverage is more meaningfully measured uh, at 65, uh, at 65%, and it will be when those folks get to retirement age. Um, and and uh, any figure that 65% in Ireland, like how many kids go to university, there's always somebody who thinks it should be 100. Uh, well, you want to think very carefully about what percentage of people ought to have private uh, pension coverage. Uh, and the correct answer is not 100. Consider, for example, people who are uh, reliant long-term on uh, Social Security income. Those people don't have an income smoothing problem because their income uh, in the younger years and in the early years is going to be smooth at, at the same figure. So, so the industry uh, thinks that 100% or possibly even more uh, should, should have private pension coverage and the right to pay commissions. Uh, but I'm, I'm not sure that the figure of 65, which I think is a more accurate measure of where we are here, it is necessarily all that bad. The other point in Ireland is that we've high home ownership, partly tax subsidised, uh, relative to the EU, and there's lots of folks on farms and businesses and so on. So there are other ways of, of providing for your old age other than uh, saving up money in, in pension funds. But children, for example, that was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, it seems to me that this idea of a fixed retirement age, and John hinted at this, should be abandoned with enthusiasm. This is good news. The, the fact that John would probably be able to give lectures down in UCG at the age of 73 and a half it is a welcome development, and I think we should get used to the idea. Uh, as the public service scheme, uh, in the board SNP report, we made a number of suggestions about what should be done to contain the cost of it. And one of them is that the final salary link just, just has to be reviewed. It's open to abuse apart from uh, everything else. Uh, you can appoint uh, job logs at the age of 64 and a half to be deputy assistant county manager's mate for six months so that it gets more pension, and it happens. And so it's wide open to abuse. I think the big problem with the Irish pension system is that it's getting out of the health service now. And uh, with the collapse in, in, in the value of defined benefit funded schemes uh, and the continuation of uh, the, the public service scheme, uh, we're in danger of ending up with a two-tier pension scheme to go with our two-tier health service. Final point about the Commission on Taxation Report. They suggested that the, um, let me get it right now, that the, the tax relief on funded defined benefit schemes should be at the standard rather than the marginal rate. Do you know what it boils down to? 
Oh, yeah, okay, our capital 30 percent. Now, there's a, a neat little um, uh, watch the birdie problem here. Uh, the biggest occupation pension schemes in Ireland are defined by the final salary schemes that are unfunded through with the public service schemes. There used to be quite a lot of unfunded private sector schemes at one time, and they nearly all come now. Beauties have one, Brandon. You, you may recall, it's one of the reasons why they went bust. They have a very fine, avuncular, Quaker, unfunded, and generous defined benefit scheme, and they couldn't pay. Um, but the, the tax rules at the moment specify that there is no imputation of contributions to unfunded schemes. Uh, and I predict the following. Uh, if they go ahead with the Commission on Taxation report, you will see the re-emergence of unfunded private sector schemes for that reason. So the current system may not make all its sense, but it treats funded and unfunded schemes symmetrically. Uh, and uh, I think the Commission's report didn't tweak that. Uh, and the logic is that you either give <laughs> um, full tax relief to private schemes or you impute contributions to public schemes, which is not popular with Sir Humphrey. Not surprisingly. Um, so I, I, I just want to say a few words, uh, um, sorry, I, I just say a few final words about pensions. Uh, John said a few things about the National Pension Reserve Fund. If you have no money and you don't want to save anything, if you go off and borrow money and buy equities with it, any sensible person will tell you that you now own a hedge fund that's short bonds and long equities. Now, if you want to call it a pension fund, that doesn't change the nature of it. And what we chose to do in 2001 or whenever it was, we decided not to retire some of the national debt and to buy equities instead. And it's not uh, an accretion of capacity to the state to deal with long-term pension problems uh, unless you look at what the overall debt situation is. So we've now got more bonds in issue and we've got a bunch of equities uh, as against if we hadn't set this thing up. And I'm not making a cheap point like the investment performance has been rotten. It happens, but, but if you went home to your spouse and said, darling, I'm not going to save, couldn't be bothered, but I'll borrow some money off the bank, we'll buy some equities with it, I'm sure you never know, it might work out. Uh, well, that's what we did with the MPRF. Um, on, on the fiscal crisis, um, I think Philip gave a very good uh, overview of it. We're not just engaging bookkeeping uh, and getting the, the borrowing under control, there's a huge macroeconomic adjustment has to be done. And I think some of the people who are arguing that we should take it easy, take 10 years over it, and all this kind of stuff, are proceeding as if it was an adjustment from a cyclical downturn. It's not. It's an adjustment from a bubble. And it was a big bubble. It was a big bubble uh, in, in the property market and a big bubble in public expenditure. And adjusting from a bubble and adjusting from a routine cyclical downturn are different things. Uh, and we've been here before. This is a, a, a slide I used down in, uh, at the meeting down in Kerry there a while ago. Uh, we ran double digit deficits for a decade before. Uh, and at high uh, uh, interest rates, and at the time when uh, sovereign borrowing was easy, there was nobody else borrowing at that time, to my memory, besides a from Poland and a few people like that. Uh, that particular ATM machine may well be broken, uh, as Philip. Uh, 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 remarked, uh, we are currently paying 150 basis points uh, over Germany, 145 
uh, Friday's close at 10 years. Uh, it's really very difficult to know what might happen to that if we abandon our medium term fiscal program. Uh, and I'm not sure you'd like to find out. Uh, the markets are being supported by the quantitative easing right now. Uh, there's a flood of, of bond issues hitting the market uh, all the time. Uh, if the quantitative easing is withdrawn in the middle of next year, which I think it may well be, uh, the bond markets could, could get a lot less friendly than they are right now. Um, these figures show what's been happening to exchequer spending in the last few years. Uh, and again, I think those who are arguing that uh, we ought not to make uh, a, a spending adjustment over the next few budgets are just not aware of these figures. In the current year, total exchequer spending, which includes debt service and, and exchequer capital, as well as all current, is up 7% on last year. And this is familiar to those of you who remember the 1980s. You have to run faster in order to stand still. The debt service is going up and social reference spending is going up. Uh, and there's a widespread public perception out there that we've already made lots of cuts. Well, you can think that if you like, but them's the numbers that at the end of this year, the government will have spent 7% more than last year on gross current, exchequer capital, and central fund. And the inflation rate will probably be for, for years a whole year on year be minus four or something like that. And so, so we haven't commenced the fiscal adjustment. Uh, the, the share of GNP uh, that's been spent by the government right now is, is back over 50%, so it's back to the 1980s numbers. Uh, those are the projections, they're a bit out of date now, I think, in uh, the stability and growth pact revision that was released in April, so if you will remember it, uh, for several funds, which nearly all debt service. They show that if the government's targets are hit, uh, the debt service will go from 2.5% GMP to 7 uh, in, in just those few years. Uh, clearly, if it's relaxed, uh, you're looking at much bigger, much bigger increases. Uh, and that uh, is the, the commitment the government entered into in April, the commitment to the EU Commission, which, which cannot be uh, reneged on without their permission. Uh, and uh, it saw uh, the deficit for 2010, as Philip mentioned, cut to 1075. Uh, I put in 12 there for 2009, the figure was supposed to be 1075 as well. Uh, it'd be very hard to hit 10.75 now in 2010, given the revenue weakness. Um, and finally, the, the ICT and various others have naturally enough been resisting cuts. Um, fiscal consolidation means cuts. Um, the deficit will be 12% of GDP this year, maybe a little bit more. And that's after the cuts proposed, sorry, for next year. It'll be 12, I think after the cuts proposed uh, uh, for the budget. Uh, and it could be 15 or, or some such figure with that. Um, uh, uh, on the question of public service pay, aside entirely from the fiscal constraint, uh, on the ESRI's figures, public service pay appears to be, there are different figures depending on what year you do it for, uh, but it appears to be something like 20% ahead of corporate or private sector pay. Now that's a, a, an important uh, in fact, if it's correct, and I've seen nobody who's been able to dispute the ESRI's figures, or at least not convincing. 
Uh, and it's also the case that pay rates in numerous areas in, in, in the Irish public sector uh, seem to be at least 20% ahead of the UK uh, and above European countries. So, so that, that issue is an issue in the overall macroeconomic adjustment, even if we had all the money in the world, which we don't. Um, fiscal multipliers here, uh, as everybody knows, tend to be particularly low, and, and the deficit seems to have a large structural component. So it seems to me that the, the alternative to cuts is to defer adjustment. Uh, and the ICTU are talking about 2017 or 18. Uh, but the 2013 target is a concession by the European Union. It's not clear it can be renegotiated. Uh, the debt markets are very fragile. That, that, that's an ATM machine that's broken. There's an implicit assumption in a lot of uh, what you might call crude Keynesian analysis that, that countries can borrow in the sovereign debt market at unchanged interest rates, that there is no uh, curve sloping against you. That's absolutely not true this time. And maybe it was true for some countries back in the 1980s. Uh, so I think there's a, a, a chance of, of uh, a rerun uh, of the 1980s if we go that route. Okay?